It's phone booth fighting. I'm Richard Hunter. He is the two-time UFC heavyweight champion, Frank Mir. We are back inside the friendly confines of the phone booth fighting bunker here in uh, stately Mirror Manor in suburban Las Vegas. Frank and I had a big night out last night with uh, with Billy Bob Thornton, and hopefully everybody caught that episode. Uh, it was the first episode of the week. But uh, Billy Bob and uh, his guitar player, J.D. Andrew, were kind enough to uh, guest host the whole show with us, uh, which, was, uh, which was great. And uh, from one uh, Oscar-winning acting legend to another, we uh, smoothly transitioned to our first guest tonight, which is Luke Thomas. Uh, from, uh, uh, well, he's from a number of things. Sirius XM Radio, we're going to start there. MMA Fighting. Uh, and, and Luke, for more on that, I'm just going to bring you on because you're one of those guys. And, and I think it's a testament to your work ethic that I can usually credit you with a couple of different, uh, things. So do we like to lead with Sirius XM radio? We should tell everybody about the Luke Thomas show first and foremost. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, think, first of all, thank you for having me. It's uh, an honor to be here. Yeah. I mean, not, not too complicated. I've got uh, a radio show. Monday to Friday, uh, 4 p.m. Sirius XM 93, which is the MMA channel. A lot of folks don't know there's an MMA channel. There is. That's Rush. And uh, Brian Stan is on it. Yep. That's right, Rush. Uh, Michael Bisping is on it. So anyway, there's that. And yeah, I used to be the senior editor at MMA Fighting, but to take the job at Sirius XM, I kind of had to give that up. But I'm still at MMA Fighting with right. uh, podcasts and articles, things like that. You're so. still part of the MMA Fighting family. That's right. Yes. In a different capacity, but yeah. yes. Okay, got it. See, he's he's a serious journalist, Frank. You know, you know how I'm always trying to explain to you that I'm not. He is. See, so he's 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 got to act serious a lot of the times, and I get a lot more uh, leeway to just uh, chalk it up to my eccentric personality. Which, by the way, Luke was one of the. I, Luke, you may have been the earliest person to very accurately point out that I, I, one of these kids is not doing his own thing at those press conferences. He, Luke, was, uh, <laughs> Luke was the first guy to send out the tweet that was something along the lines of, what's the, what's the guy from The Cure doing at these press conferences? <laughs> so, uh, which is a good one, because a lot of people, Dana himself prefers to go 80s hair metal uh, when, he's, when he's making a reference. So I like the fact that you went a little more uh, new wave. When you when you decide to do that, you know Robert Smith is certainly a lot cooler than anyone from the uh, '80s hair metal scene. So maybe you should take it as a compliment. Oh, I absolutely took it as a compliment. Trust me, I I never let any kind of recognition go unnoticed or unexploited. So I was uh, I was happy to get it. So um, all right, so so Luke, I want to ask you a question too, Luke, before we get into. Uh, Talking about UFC 210, which uh, Frank and I were watching here uh, in the bunker Saturday night as it happened. Lots of controversy coming out of that. But I got to ask you a question first about uh, Sirius uh, XM 93, Rush 93. What are they going to do if they ever decide to dedicate a 24 hour channel to the band Rush? That is a realistic possibility, and it seems like they didn't think that through when they named the channel. Yeah, well, I mean, you you jest, but there's uh, uh, SiriusXM is always in in uh, changing. When it was originally started, the channel it was still MMA centric, but it was like 
guy talk Opie yeah. and Anthony ish something that. like that yeah yeah yep. and over and over time the MMA content kind of won out and so now they're like heavy on the MMA content yeah uh, it actually may undergo a thousand different changes between here and the future I, I'm not privy to any of those but just don't be surprised if there are some changes down the road it's it's a very very possible thing all right well as like I don't care what they call it as long as it's rich in MMA content so as long as they're uh, hooking me up with that I won't complain about anything else all right so let's talk about uh, Very good. UFC 210 I want to get your thoughts here first and then we gotta we gotta get Luke's because uh, you know you and I previewed the the main and the co-main event on one of our episodes last week uh, you talked about how you thought Anthony Johnson had a path to victory if he didn't do a lot of the things that he did in the first fight, but uh, it turns he out he did a, a lot of the things he did in the first fight, and he ended up losing the fight uh, exactly the same way, essentially. So what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, he basically doubled down on his uh, strategy. Uh, uh, he decided to go ahead and try to, to wrestle with Daniel. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, afterwards, I was very uh, perplexed while the fight was occurring. Uh, I think everybody was. Uh, but I think that uh, finding out afterwards that basically he planned on retiring anyways, mm -hmm. uh, I wonder how much motivation he really had to win the fight. It sounded like basically he just kind of showed up and collected a paycheck. Uh, his heart was no longer in it, and that's why he made the decision to retire. I mean, that's how I took his his ex, you know, his explanation after the in his post fight was, you know, he wants to move on to the things. He doesn't want to get punched in the face more. Into, so you had a guy who entered. It wasn't like those thoughts occurred to him after the fight. He trained and led up, and walked into that uh, cage with those type of thoughts and with that type of uh, emotional uh, status going on. And so it was uh, a very poor programming or game plan on his part, but it seems like he really didn't give a shit, you know? And so I think that's what we saw was a guy that, yeah, you know, uh, he basically phoned it in. Well, it was clear from his coach's reaction that that was not their game plan no. either because they seemed really surprised that it was happening and they were uh, trying in vain to, to get him to, uh, to, to, to uh, keep it standing and, and avoid the, the, the takedown attempts. Luke, uh, did you see it any differently or uh, were you as perplexed by the game plan as we were? Man, I mean, Frank, you know, said it pretty good there. I mean, at first I was like, why is he wrestling him? I, just, I mean, you know, I, I, I said before, like, I don't think under any circumstance Anthony Johnson has an amazing gas tank, but he can probably do better five rounds striking than he can five rounds wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's super controversial, yeah. you know? And he was wrestling him right off the gate, and when, when the second round started, he went right back to it. And then the other thing that was like a dead giveaway, and I'm sure Frank can speak to this more than I can, but when – when uh, Daniel put in the choke, the hand of the bicep uh, was just like on the forehead of Anthony Johnson, and he didn't hand fight at all. Like he just kind of went to an elbow and then tapped, and I was like, just shocked. I thought my first thought was like, is he injured? Did he crack a ribs? Mm -hmm. You know, did something take the life out of him? And then when he retired, I was like, right there you go. I mean, he just I don't. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I think it's disrespectful for me to be like, well, he went in there and gave the fight to Daniel. I I, I don't know that I want to say that, but. Certainly, he didn't have the same kind of competitive zeal that an ordinary number one contender might. No, I, I think that's actually a safe uh, statement uh, in itself is that he, I don't think he went in there and threw the fight, but it, it was one of those situations where as an athlete, he kind of went in there and was, well, you know, uh, if I happen to win, you know, I'll throw a few things down the wall, see what sticks. But there was no uh, uh, 
real drive or ambition to try to win the fight. And uh, so, I mean, he, like I said, he just, it, it, I don't think he went in there with the intentions of like, all right, first shot I take, I'm just going to go down. But uh, definitely was looking for the door out. The minute, you know, you know, like I said, he threw a couple kicks, punches. Hey, if something lands, you know, screw it. I'll take the victory. But uh, him coming out the victor, that wasn't something he was driven for. So that's what you watch. You watch a guy that did not care if he won the title or not. And, you know, you have a guy who basically, you know, Daniel Cormier, his only identity is the fact that he's the champion because, I mean, let's face it, he's an extremely dominant fighter at 205 and no one cares. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. He is extremely unliked and it's, I feel bad for the guy. I honestly do because he really is a good guy. Like all the things they say about him, you know, and then to watch his post fight and see now that he's trying, and I get it, he's trying to embrace the heel but he looks just as bad as Ben Rothwell did trying to do it. It just, it does not. Whoa. Yeah. It's like, it's bad. I mean, watching him try to be a dick. Like now I, I seen a couple of things like, Oh, the new guy to hate. I'm like, no, I don't. I just feel bad for him. Cause he's not a heel. He's not a dickhead. Like yeah. Daniel Cormier is actually a really nice guy. And I understand that no one likes him and the, you know, he just, for whatever reason he's hit that groove and I don't think he can escape it. So I think he's trying to embrace the bad guy shit and he's just not a good guy trying to pretend to be a, he just isn't working for him man it's just he's not designed to be conor mcgregor just he's not the great fighter he is great analyst uh, I, I think he understands the sport like few others do but as far as playing the dick he sucks at it i feel bad because i know that he doesn't want it cuz it hurts him when people boo him like yeah. other people like you know i think the ds brothers don't give a shit you boo them they kind of feed off of it yeah fuck you you know what i mean mm-hmm. whereas i know that daniel each time he hears a boo in the crowd he's the kind of guy that it stings him i'm the guy that that stings me i don't want to be booed like that sucks yeah. Yeah, it stings me when I'm booed at press conferences. I don't even like that. So, Luke, I mean, what what about that? Because Frank and I were were basically, you know, saying the same thing uh, at the conclusion of the fight was that, oh, okay, I, I see what Daniel's doing yeah. here. He's he's forcing this, and I I have never understood the 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 villainization, if that's what it is, of Daniel Cormier. I just, I just haven't gotten that. I actually thought, if anything, you know, there there should be more heat than there was on John Jones for a number of things, especially where people were put at risk and injured and things like that. I never got instead turning that ire on Daniel Cormier. Do you think that that is personality driven or do you think it has something to do with his, uh, with his area of expertise, which is the grind, which is the wrestling, which, you know, doesn't, uh, add up to a whole bunch of spectacular highlight reel knockouts. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't. I don't buy the Cormier as boring fighter uh, argument. I mean, look, has he had some boring fights? Yeah, yeah, he's had some boring fights, but he's had a lot of highlight reel throws on Gustafson and Barnett and Henderson. Sure. Um, that he knocked out Bigfoot. I mean, some of this is at heavyweight, where I think a lot of UFC fans didn't see it. Maybe so. Maybe there's right. some of that. But like, if you're familiar with the body of work that Daniel Cormier has done, walking away being like, "Man, that guy's boring." That seems like an aggressive argument that I can't buy. The best thing that I can think of is, I mean, I've been trying to like wrap my head around it, like, why is he like this? And Dominic Cruz just sort of saying, like, look, the fans just pick who they want. I basically feel like that's correct. But if I could sort of pinpoint a theory, and it's just that, a theory, yeah. the best thing I can come up with is that if, if, if the fan base, even if it's unfair, if they detect an air of illegitimacy 
relative to some common standard. So in this case, he's the champion, but he never beat Jones. In fact, he lost to Jones. Right. And then inside that inside that illegitimate bubble, you brag about how good you are. You say you're going to beat someone, even if you're well within your right to do that. They fans, uh, they bristle at it. They don't like it. Um, they want, they, they love it when a guy brags and either the showman about it backs it up or has a reason to say it to begin with. And I just don't feel like Cormier ever scratched that itch for them. But you know, I mean, the guy is arguably pound for pound the second best fighter on earth. Like his his body of work, as I mentioned, between heavyweight and light heavyweight, they don't come a whole lot better than that. I think actually it's several factors, and I and I and I think that actually Luke, you hit on one of them. I think that when he won the belt, and it was as coming off of a loss to the guy that was a champ who got stripped of it. I think he handled it wrong. I think if he would have taken the belt and not said, well, I'm the champ. And I was like, well, you know, I don't feel like I'll be the champ until I beat John. Then I think he would have came to that conclusion. It's one of those things where like, if you already know where people are going to go with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. You go there first. Okay. Right. And I think that if he would have gone there first and said, look, John's still the champ and not said, well, you know, his extracurricular activities, which are all valid points that he brings up. But the problem is, is he can't save them. You're not allowed to go ahead and 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 and, and blow that horn. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can't do it. So if he would have come off of like, well, you know, I'm the you know I'm the best, but I don't feel like I'm the champ until I beat John. You know, that if that would have been his mantra, I think that that would have saved him a lot of ire from the fans. And honestly, I think the other factor is we're still a visual sport. You know, Conor McGregor, not only is he a mouthy guy and sells fights, but the guy's a good-looking guy. He has a thin waist, tattooed beard. He looks like a fucking Viking. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he looks the part. Like, if you say, hey, we're going to put a movie together and we're going to lead, you know, and, and, and the, the uh, we got to create a lead for our, uh, our, our hero, yeah, that's what the guy looks like. It's like if you say, well, let's pick this guy. You're like, shit, I'm in, man. He looks like a, a rock star. Daniel Cormier, even when he's not 205 at the lightest, his stomach looks funny. He's receding hairline. He's short. Just he doesn't. He's not a imposing physical presence. So I think that also hurts him. I mean, as dickish it sounds, like fans look at him and I'm like, he looks like shit. You know, like so. Even though his performances are phenomenal, and you're right, you can make an argument that the only guy that ever beat him was John. He's dominated everybody else. It's like, yeah, but he doesn't have that. He doesn't capture that superhero John look, you know, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, everybody is fit at that, you know, and it, I, you see fans don't really get behind that. I mean, I think that's why Cain Velasquez had a problem. He just, even as dominant as he was as when he was the heavyweight champ uh, and leading up to and, and, and always his fights, mm-hmm. he doesn't look the part. Let me just make two points about what you just said there. Uh, one, in terms of, uh, you know, had he come out and said, uh, you know, I, I got the belt, but I won't don't really feel like the champion. Obviously, he didn't say he doesn't feel like a champion, but I, I, I want to defend him here, though. He has never shied away from being willing to fight John Jones again. It's John that oh, yeah, keeps yeah. M- messing up. I agree it's with not you. like Cormier's, but well, we'll get still, to get look, in line. When you're successful, people hate on you already. Mm-hmm. And when you sit there and there's a very blaring like, well, you're not really the champ. The champ kicked your ass. If you don't state that and just kind of air it, and you, they're going to go there. They're going to draw that conclusion. People mm-hmm. are going to look at it and go, so you're the 205 champ. Yeah. Well, what happened to the last champion? Oh, he got stripped because he can't get his shit together outside the, the cage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did he beat you? Yeah, he beat me. So now you're the champ of the champ that was the champ, beat your ass, 
and you're no longer and because of his because he's he, he's a party guy he can't get his shit together but you're still not the champ dude yeah. you know what i mean like that's how people think but if you were to sit there and like all things i mean you're a great pr guy you guys know i mean i, I think that if if people run into things head on it's one of those things where like i'm going out to a press conference someone's going to bring up x y or z well fuck that i'll bring it up first i'm no, going to that. i'm going to throw it on the table first and if he had done that i think that he would have i think that it would have taken ammo away from some of his critics can i ask you this luke because uh this is by no means the first time we've frank and i've had this conversation about daniel one of the things that i have noticed from him uh and i'll just ask you like from a media perspective because i've looked at it this way too you know when you brought up the the very at the 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 outset of the the discussion about him where it's like you know fans are always looking out for like an era of illegitimacy one of the things that i've always thought is completely legitimate about daniel cormier is how awkward he is in trash talking because i think he's actually being authentic when he's not really an asshole Wait, if that makes sense legitimately a Does, good dude. Is, yeah i mean is that is that kind of fair to say maybe he's hurt by his own uh affability yeah probably a little bit i mean i think frank's critique of his ability to wear the black hat is 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 pretty spot on i don't think it comes natural yeah at the same time though and having spoken to cormier over the years about some of these challenges I think he's just trying to make it work for him the best he can, even if he's like fumbling with it, you know, like sure. yeah, no, he wants to be able to smile and have fun by the time he, he closes his eye, eyelids and, and it's, and it's not an easy fit for him, but God, I mean, you know, he got forced on him, you know, like it's a yeah. hard thing to deal with, but, but, um, I, I actually, here's what I would say about the trash talk thing. When he does it in this, it's like, I remember one time, do you remember when Vanderlei Silva fought Michael Bisping and they were trying to have this like super phony exchange about why they were so mad at each other. And someone asked Vanderlei, like, we don't even understand the source of the beef. And he goes, I don't know. I just don't like him. Like, he basically just threw his hands in the air. Yeah. Like, when, when Daniel is forced into, into a media narrative where he has to really be a rival with a guy, I don't think his trash talk is that good. Or when like, John is sort of big brothering him a little bit. But I would say, in his defense, you go back to the Ryan Bader fight. He gave Ryan Bader the verbal business That's in true. that press conference. Because you, you could tell yeah. that you could... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I can't remember if you were, were you there that night? Because I was in the the banquet room when they were doing that press conference and Corm Bader was in the back and Cormier, because uh, at that point, Bader would have been next in line. I don't, I don't know if you were you were there at that fight or not, but that was, you're right. I mean, that's when I noticed it. I, yeah, I was not there. Yeah. For that one, I was at home, but I remember watching it. And I remember you could see DC's eyes start yeah. to open like saucers. And yeah. uh, But to your point, Generally, I think he's got a problem. In specific cases, he can rise to the occasion. Well, well let's go back to uh, just to, to to put a bow on the Anthony Johnson thing before we talk about the the controversy in the co-main event. Um, you know, I thought that was one of the most perplexing retirements I've ever seen for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, you, okay, you, you've hit the glass ceiling. You've lost to the reigning champion twice, but we've seen that happen to Misha Tate. We've seen it happen to Joe Benavidez. They, they persevere. You, uh, except for losing to the guy who has the belt, you're laying waste to the division, uh, with one punch knockout. So it's not like you've been on some, uh, sad streak, but, I don't think I have ever seen somebody retire in the prime of their career at the top of their division, and the only excuse they offer is they've taken another position. <laughs> somebody goes, 
you know, I've, I've, I've been offered a job out of state. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a big transition for the family, but we've decided it's a great opportunity. So, uh, you know, we're transitioning. That was the strangest thing. Now, I have since heard the rumor, and Luke, I want to know if you've heard anything about this, uh, that this may have something to do with the L.A. Rams football team, which... I, I hate to see any of the NFL riffraff come around our sport. I like for him to steer clear of that. So I don't want him to bring a bring a bad element over. But uh, it, from what I'm hearing, this might be something he's getting involved in. Have you heard about this? I, I he's, Obviously, he's not going to play. He said he's not going to play, but maybe, I don't know, like a strength and conditioning job or something? What are we thinking here? I, I don't even know how he would get that job. I mean, I had this talk on my, my show as well. It's like, mm-hmm. look. Anthony Johnson is obviously a very talented fighter and a very good athlete, but if he was 23, he wouldn't even be a candidate for the NFL seventh round draft, which is coming up. Yeah, like you, you I mean, if you played if you played Division One, you'd be lucky to go to the NFL, and the average career in that case is three and a half years. At 33, it's hard to, for me to understand exactly what level of expertise he could be. Maybe a brand ambassador, maybe some kind of front office job, but it's like he's not going to be worrying about who's in the cover two spot. Uh, and it's some kind of coaching position. Like, this is so out of his depth, it's not even funny. It would be out of anyone's depth who hasn't done football at that level. So I, I don't know what specifically he can do, but I just to be clear, like, the idea that he would be any kind of on-field right. uh, operator seems exceedingly unlikely. Does that make any sense to you, Frank? I mean, he really no. seemed to come out of left field today. No. Uh, that, and that's just actually Henry Hoof, uh, his striking coach, is the one who gave a little credence to that rumor. I think he was on with Ariel is where, where it started. But uh, he said yeah, that so he far, thought it had something to do with Anthony that. seems to have been denied it in this post-fight conference. Yeah, he said he didn't have anything to do with playing football, but I guess maybe he yeah. sort of left the door open for, like uh, Luke said, Brandon. But, uh, no, I, mean, no, I don't I know. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what he could yeah. provide them besides uh, uh, – shit, I don't really know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Either. I'm with Luke. It's like you know, he's a, he's yeah. a really great athlete. Yeah. Uh, but as far as uh, I mean, the guy never even played in college. As far as I know, he wrestled. Yeah. Uh, and so I mean, you're going to bring high school level football with a, with a good athlete. What could he provide when there when that is such a stacked world? I mean, you have guys. I mean, they're yeah. you know being separated by fractions of a second. You know, and inability. You know, I don't know. I'm curious as the next guy. I I, I can't see what. I don't know. I'll just say this, Luke, and I don't know if it's coincidental or it has anything to do with you know new ownership or whatever. But it just doesn't feel good when when one of your top employees is is you know uh, filling out applications uh, outside of the company and uh, you know accepts that felt that whole thing just felt well, it seems very like weird. It's a big deal. I mean, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the one thing that he has uh, alluded to or allowed yeah. out is that whatever it is. It's uh, an opportunity that surpasses what he's making as a fighter, yeah. and it's a huge deal for him. So it's something, he, you know, uh, it sounds like it's more of a financial gain, even than, not even so much like he's some, you know, it's Dan Hardy and he wants to go ahead and climb the Himalayas or something, where it's like, all right, the guy's kind of spiritual thing going here, you know, but it seems like it's truly financially driven. And, you know, and I'm assuming that, you know, Anthony made decent money as a fighter. And, yeah. 
and now it's, I mean, whatever whatever fight he had left in him, when they came at him with that proposal, that sucked the rest of it out of all him. All right, well, <laughs> all right. Hopefully uh, the L.A. Rams aren't calling around the top of any other weight divisions. We may be losing people left and right. I hope, oh. they're, not, hope they're not raiding the company. Um, all right, well, Luke, we got to talk about this uh, co-main event because this one, this would have been the story of the night had it not been for Anthony Johnson's uh, unexpected retirement. Chris Weidman is defeated via TKO by Gegard Mousasi. Uh, Mousasi, in the clinch, throws a pair of knees, the second of which was declared illegal by referee Dan Mergliata. To, to Frank and I, it looked legal because it looked like though Weidman had two hands down on the mat at the point of contact, Musasi had successfully pulled at least one of those hands up off the mat and made uh, clean contact. Now, I know there's more to the story, but let's just start there. Did it look like uh, that Mergliata had blown the call to you or no? Well, I mean, my thought was I didn't know. I couldn't quite tell what had happened. I guess okay. if I'm being honest, I think my initial gut like reaction was they were illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the only thing I would say about Big Dan was if you look at his positioning, it was direct. It was linear. So there yeah. was Mus- there was Weidman then Musasi, and he was kind of behind Musasi as opposed to angling off. So if I have a criticism of him, it's that. But even if you have a good angle, sometimes refs are going to miss things. I, like, did he get it right? Did he get it wrong with his initial call? To me, is almost irrelevant. Like, guys are just going to get stuff wrong. It would have been nicer if he had gotten it right. But, you know, humans are prone to awful judgment over time oh, without yeah. the aid of technology to re- review those calls. And so to me, which I know is a separate debate, they have right. this sort of de facto uh, replay by virtue of refs talking to each other, which is its own other mess. But, like... Did he get it right? Did he get it wrong? I mean, I, you know, the initial call, he got it wrong. But uh, I, I don't – that, to me, of all the criticisms to make of what ha- went wrong there, that's fairly low of a priority. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. that well, that's something two, that had, could happen at any point. And we all had – I did, we had a proper angle on it during mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were illegal too. Yeah, until you saw the replay. Until they yeah. slowed – I mean, not even just the replay. The replay at normal speed, I still couldn't tell you. I was like, oh, it looks illegal. Until they slowed it down and stopped it and go, okay, right at this frame, right. his hand is an inch and a half off the ground and the knee made contact. You're like, well, shit. But, I mean, so even as a – no one could have made the correct call. I think everybody in their right mind, if they had been the referee, would have said they were illegal. Yeah, for me, this isn't even the part where it got really weird. So let's say, okay, so that happens. Uh, it's been deemed illegal. Uh, Weidman gets five minutes to recover, uh, and he needed it at that point because uh, he'd, he'd been uh, getting the business from Musasi. So he's got five minutes. It's understandable that he would take that to recover. Now, uh, Mergliata appears that it's go- he's going to warn Musasi. He's not going to take away a point. Okay, all this is making sense so far. Doctor comes in to look at Weidman. This is where it gets confusing. The doctor apparently deems that Weidman cannot continue, but if it was called an illegal knee, Luke, why then would Weidman not, or why would Musasi have not been disqualified if, to the referee's way of thinking, that the fight had ended because of an illegal shot? What, what did you think? Yeah, so, I mean, what, what I thought initially is, at this point, no longer helpful. And I spoke to Herb Dean this week. Okay. Because Dan Mergliotta and Big John, the two referees involved, they can't really talk to the media. Yeah. But Herb Dean kind of helped me out. 
Now, here's what he said. I did not know this. And let me just say something about UFC broadcasts. I have tr- tremendous respect for the career of Mark Ratner, what he's done for mixed martial arts truly and for officiating generally cannot be undersold. But I don't know that I would call him the best candidate for the job to be the kind of uh, Mike Pereira of MMA regulations. They need an active referee like a Herb Dean to fill that role, if at all possible. Maybe it's not, but I think he would be better situated to give in- information that is helpful to the uh, viewers. Yeah, Because what he told me was, was the initial call that the knee was illegal? Yes. He then went and conferred with Big John. Okay. That is something. I didn't know this was a real thing, but apparently it is. They call it polling. Like, you go to the polls to vote. They call it polling. And w- if the other commission members uh, have a different view and they are, e- I guess, equivocal, or if they are all saying the same thing, mm-hmm. the referee in the cage can take that into account. So he did. Okay. He said they saw the they it was legal. He brought it back to Weidman, and so he had essentially changed the call, which okay. through this process called polling, is legal. Okay. And I didn't know that. I don't know who the hell did know that. I didn't know, but it. that's a thing. So then when he told him, the doctors had to evaluate him. Okay. So now at this point, because he's reversed the call, what we have is a legal knee, and then the doctor is going, uh, "No, it was legal that he hit him. He can't continue." And that means Musasi, via his legal knee, would have uh, uh, been awarded the TKO. What were you going to say, Frank? Well, first of all, are they still standing by the fact that instant replay is not allowed? Uh, what? Yes. What, yeah. So, okay. yes. but then that's what everybody around the octagon used to confirm that the, the yes. knee was illegal. Yeah. So wait a minute. So you, in yeah. live action, you guys all looked at the instant replay, pulled and said it wasn't legal. And now to me, it's like if you, if you could be pulled then you can't look at the TV screen, you are not privy to instant replay if none of us all if we can't use instant replay it's like can we use it or not it's like well they just used it that's what john and everybody did they looked down and go oh we can see that it's not it's like well, well okay so then so is instant replay legal no but that's that but i mean that well, that heavily weighed into the decision yeah on them polling was the fact that they had access to the tv screen and mergliati did not luke is that a Right. So this is where I mean, this is this is why this is what I mean. Like, who the hell is supposed to know this except for the people who are intimate in this world? Mm -hmm. But the way it works is there are some states where it might be the case that instant replay is expressly forbidden. The way it works in the New York regulatory code is that there is no provision that specifies use of it. It's a gray area. Or even really mentions use of it at all. Right, so it's so it's not illegal to use. It's just that you don't really have it unless you pull another ref who does by watching the monitor. <laughs> the it's, New York it, Athletic it's Commission a disaster. is really Ooh. horrible. Yeah. I mean, even the interview with the guy Tony, uh, the the head of the Athletic Commission, when 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 uh, oh the towel, the, w- yeah, when Daniel Cormier right, at the weigh-in balanced his weight and took a pound off of the weight, which. He did. It's on camera. Everybody watched him do it. And, you know, hey, you know, he saved 10% of his purse because that's all it really did because the fight would have occurred regardless yeah. if he missed weight or not. They were still fighting. He just would have had to give up some of his money. So he very intelligently saved himself 10% of his income. Uh, but then... I don't mind, you know, he's a competitor. He's trying to figure out a way. I get it. You know what I mean? Like trying to save 10% of your money. I mean, 
you know, whatever. Uh, but then the athletic commission who's in charge of protecting the fighters and looking out for that, because I mean, that would have been a great advantage for, uh, Anthony Johnson that, well, do you want to save 10% of your purse? Well, now you got to go try to cut the pound and a half or 1.2 pounds off and you're already sucked up. He's already missed weight once for an Olympics. He's had mm-hmm. kidney issues in the past. I would have liked to, if I was facing somebody, the knowing the hit track history he has with making weight, hell yeah, man, go sweat it out for another 45 minutes. Go suffer a little bit more so I can have that much more of an advantage in the fight. Uh, he didn't have to do that, but and, and, and that's whatever it may be, but the guy, when they interviewed him afterwards, yeah. he just sat there, was clueless. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Everybody else has to start off somewhere. The New York Athletic Commission started off MMA uh, uh, officiating the UFC. They suck at it. They're not very good. I mean, you could see the one of the doctors come in, like across the board. I mean, the whole thing that the one referee said one time in the last fight, when uh, uh, that well, the bell doesn't stop the fight, the referee stops the fight. Mm, then right. we talked to actually active referees, Herb Dean. Herb says, Dean told us that's that absolutely first, incorrect. Yeah. The bell stops the round, and I'm going to jump in there and try to tell you to stop at the same time. But yeah. no, the, the fight doesn't go on after the bell until the referee gets in there. That's the most ridiculous thing that anybody. You know, I mean, no, but the, it came from a New York guy, and so like I'm wondering if maybe the UFC doesn't go back there for a little while, and they have to officiate some smaller shows because they obviously have a ton of problems i mean you just you ask them it's not like they're screwing things up and they're like oh man i missed that one they're like what towel i mean the guy was like he was holding a towel i i don't know i mean he even argued luke he even argued at first that well no because if he would have pressed on the towel it would have made him weigh more i mean we even got like high school science involved in this uh for a minute before that that was shot down what, what were your what were your thoughts on towel gate you know, it's funny from a media perspective, I can tell you, I've gotten a torrential downpour of Twitter and Facebook messages and emails from people being like, why isn't the MMA media saying more about this? And I'm trying to tell them, what, what is it you want us to do? Mm. We went to this guy and we said, we got an interview with him. We said, yo, he leaned on the towel. And their response was, well, we didn't see it. We, you know, we, what do you want us to do? I'm like, right, then, we can show you the I video. I see that in the video. They go, right well, we have it on here. video. We can show it to you. And he's all, well, if he was holding right. a towel, that would have made him way more. You're like, dude, you're not even listening to what the and, people are telling well, you. Like you, I like I said, I'm like, so like, that's the head of the commission. He, I've never, the expression of a deer in the headlights never was a more fitting description of a guy that's supposed to be the head of the commission. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Really? Well, yeah, right. go ahead. So we're, I've been trying to tell, I've been trying to tell, readers like what is it you want us to do you want us to sue the commission like you got the answer you're going to get this is where the buck stops the disconcerting question is if they're willing to do that kind of thing and then not tell us ahead of time by the way oh championship fighters get a second chance to weigh in early which we also didn't know you have to wonder a what other states have these kinds of hidden regulations and b what else is new york really capable of doing these these are Pretty serious questions. Yeah, I told I told Frank the morning of the weigh-in, I said, I knew uh, Cormier knew he'd gotten away with something when he got off the scale and he didn't even pull his underwear up. He just took off. They followed him with the towel, you know. Well, he was I met him run down the hallway naked, like rehydrating before anybody I mean, says anything. He right? saved probably six figures 
sure. income that would have went towards Anthony and, Johnson. And we don't. So I get what yeah. he was doing, but the fact is, like fighters are always going to put the tape a little closer to the knuckles than they should. Maybe they, you know, they, that's why you check nails things because yeah. you have to be there to make sure that you, you know, the fighter is competitive. He's going to push the boundaries of what's acceptable. That's why we have commissions. That's why they're making money off of everybody's licensing fee. And if they don't know what they're doing, like that made me worried. I'm like, oh shit, if I was fighting there and I saw that, I'd be like, all right, look, man, I have to have a cornerman in the other guy's locker room because if they can't figure out how to weigh a guy in properly, how the, f- what about his hands being wrapped? Are mm-hmm. they going to, are they going to allow him to illegally wrap his hands and just kind of go, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. am I going to get the deer in the heads like look again? Like, well, you know, hey, the guy, uh, you know, he didn't roll, use any gauze. He went tape right on the skin and did this. Like, what? You know? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it, it, there, it was, it was a crazy weekend of of controversies and uh, unexpected uh, retirement and all that. I'll, I guess, I'll lastly ask you this, Luke, because uh, you know the the pay per view credits are rolling. We're sitting here at Mirror Manor and. Uh, I said, all right, well, it looks like uh, they got uh, John Jones there, and there's Jimmy Manawa over there. And I told uh, Frank, I said, right now, I believe that Dana White has John Jones pulled over in a corner, and he's saying to him, all right, listen, it's only two, it's basically only two months, okay? We're already into into, uh, April. I just, I want you to get all the way through May, all the way through June, we can do this fight at the very beginning. Are you going to be good for that? You're sure you got now. You told me this before. Where you're sure you're good? Two months, right? I want to be able to promote this thing. I mean, I'm thinking that's what's got to be on their mind. So my question to you is, Frank. Frank's got faith in John. I'm asking you, do you think we get all the way to July with uh, John Jones still on the fight poster for the big mid mid uh, mid year spectacular? If in fact that's when it gets made. I mean, you know, people have been asking me a lot about John Jones over the years. I've been a defender of his to, in a, to an extent. Um, well, maybe more to an ex- than an extent. But the, the long and short of it is, is like I uh, I am super out of the uh, police John Jones behavior business. And by that, I mean, I think your question is is totally fair and fine. But like, I could give you an answer. Like, I think he's going to. I have no confidence in it whatsoever. Which isn't to say I think he's going to let me down. I really don't know what to make. Yeah. Like, I never ever know what to make. I thought on some level that presser he did on Friday with the media was in some ways good because you want to get out there, not face the music exactly, but not be hiding like Ronda did. I don't. It it, conf- it, it signals a certain kind of uh, issue. Um, but then he's like, you know, <laughs> the sex pills. I highly recommend it. It's like Jesus. Exactly. Um, like. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't even yeah. care. Well, I don't, I don't. I don't even care about the PR aspect of it. It's more just. Don't you it's get more it? Just this. Uh, aren't you tired of 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 being involved in headlines that have a dubious look and sound to them? Like, does this not get old? You know. Luke, and so Luke. for me, it's like, what's he going to do? Is he going to make it to July? I don't know. Is he? Is he? Is he not? I don't know. Mm. I'm. I'm. I'm truly. Wait and see. You hit exactly on uh, on 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 the point I I, I was going to make, and I guess great minds think alike. Uh, but I don't know if you saw that or not, Frank. But part of that that media gaggle that he did. And let's keep in mind, it's not like he's been doing a ton of media, you know, uh, during his hiatus. 
he he just apropos of nothing started selling the idea of sex pills to all of us and he highly recommends it and let me tell you there's nothing more awesome than doing this thing and that's all fine but given the fact that that ties directly to what cost the the company and the fans and all the people that traveled out for this thing the the last minute change uh, in July of last year you know what it reminded me of Luke it reminded me of uh, the time that I heard with my own ears uh, on a conference call, John Jones, when he was asked about uh, regrets he had about his first uh, DUI, he said, I'll tell you this, I ruined a beautiful car. I, I, you want to talk about something that hurt? Oh, my God. I totaled a beautiful car. And I'm like, what? You know, and that was before the second thing happened. But it's just like... What part of it don't you understand to just go, oh, my God, I'm so lucky to be alive. I'm so thankful nobody was hurt. Uh, just just so glad I have a chance to, to, to ride wrong and leave it at that. There's something to me, Frank, and you, of the three of us, I mean, you're, you, you know him better. But uh, well, I don't know how he. I don't know. Maybe Luke. Maybe maybe Luke's out with him all the time. I don't know. I just know. I just know Frank knows him. But uh, okay, good. You're you 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 and me, Luke. We're clean on this deal. Frank's is uh, Frank's been his running buddy. But um, but I think there is something, Frank. And you you tell me if you think I'm wrong. Where he's sort of drawn to that. Like there's a mischievous angle to you know what I can't quite. Uh, avoid the temptation to be sitting here and just go ahead and tell everybody how awesome sex pills are. Just just because you're listening. What do you think? I definitely think there's very much of a frat boy type okay. of personality to John. And I think that... Uh that if we were all in college right now and he was the you know star quarterback on the football team, uh, I don't think his you know his vocabulary or the way he carries himself would be that shocking. I think it'd be more expected. The problem is is that he has he's that same type of guy, but now he's you know one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter in the world. You know holds you know the title rank and he's ran into problems because of that. That mindset has obviously uh, cost him some money inside the 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 uh, the, the cage, and so. Uh, I don't know if you'll ever be able to change who he is. Is that a yes? He just can't avoid the temptation. No, to I think that's just who he is, who he is yeah. as a person. So I think the only thing is if, if they completely go through and make sure that he understands questions in the right way to answer yeah. them. But anytime you go off the cuff, you get a real genuine answer from the guy. And, you know, and like I said, uh, you know, uh, I don't think John's a malicious person at all. I think, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a decent guy, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, just like... I think uh, the, a frat boy is is would be the best description of how he his personality is and you know how he kind of you know uh, he's not really you know a, a, you know cross the t's dot the i kind of guy that you know really looks ahead of things. I think you know uh, you know he still has a young man's personality. Well, let me just say this, Luke. I have decided to embrace the con the ancillary controversy. I now consider it an added tier of drama. Will John Jones make the fight? It's like questioning will Johnny Henry make weight. The weigh-ins were always more fun when Johnny was on the scale. It's like an old George Jones show from the 70s. They okay. called him No Show Jones for a reason. You bought the concert ticket, but you didn't know if he was even going to make it to... Well, to we do the celebrity death match. Are we going to put a Will John make it and count down the days and do the up and over? Alright, let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll sell squares like a football pool. Alright, I have to apologize because I lied to Luke. I told him we were going to keep him a shorter amount of time than we did, but that's uh, your fault, Luke, because you're so damn engaging so i want to apologize for that first do i should we apologize to mrs thomas oh is she okay with this or is she is she long suffering 
She's on a business trip. I'm good. All right. Well, actually, we didn't really finish. Right. If you don't mind, before you take off, Luke, we kind of didn't really finish our opinion of what I know. We went off on the tangent of yeah. the, basically the New York Athletic Commission. Yeah, sucks. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I don't know somehow we got on to John again. Yeah, <laughs> but All roads uh, lead back. But uh, the uh, Weidman, the, the stoppage on how it was just uh, it was a nutty stoppage. Like if the I thought. In my opinion, the referee comes back in and says, "Okay, we're not. It's not an illegal knee," but then the doctors to stop the fight again. Under what criteria? It wasn't even mm-hmm. like he took a hellacious knee. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were hitting him. You know, I'm not saying they were, he, but it wasn't like uh, he lost. You know, uh, uh, tension in his body and, and, and you know motor skill control. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was rocked by the knee. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't hurt, but they didn't seem like hellacious shots where there were fight deciding factors. And I've seen people fight back from way worse. I don't know why they didn't just restart the fight. Uh, Luke, does that, uh, what do you think? Yeah. So it's a good question. I think a lot of people have wondered that. Um, so here's my understanding. In fact, if you guys are fight pass subscribers, you can go and you can hear it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You can hear, uh, you can hear Dan, big Dan talking to people and you can hear him talking to doctors and whatnot. Basically what happens is, Big Dan puts uh, Musasi in a neutral corner. He then calls in one ringside physician, a balding older gentleman. He comes and evaluates Weidman. That doctor calls in a second doctor. That second doctor comes in. They do, I don't know what you call them, not field sobriety tests, but they mirror those, right? Coordination, flashlight in the eyes, uh, and follow my yeah, light. Right, right. They do yeah. All, yeah. Yeah, they do the whole bit. And uh, then they both declare to, to Dan Mergliata that he cannot continue. Apparently, if you listen to the audio, and I went and read the transcript. They asked him among a, a series of questions, one of which was, do you know what month it is? He said February. And I think they asked him what day it was. He didn't know that either. And I think he had failed a series of other medical examinations. I certainly am not a doctor. I don't know what they saw that made them do that. But in New York, a doctor has, uh, whenever they want, the right to stop a fight. When they told him it was over, that's a wrap. Well, listen, That's Frank. A, Frank gets I've been there. Frank, yeah, you get questions like that wrong all the time, and you haven't fought since March. Well, no, I, I've had people yeah. question. I remember one time you're in a fight. Fuck, I don't know what fucking month it is right now. But mm. I, even if I haven't been hit, yeah. that happened to me when I was fighting uh, uh, Junior Dos Santos. First round, I sit on the stool, and the guy comes over. Do you know where you're at? And I. I forgot where the fight occurred at. I was either at MGM Grand or I was at Mandalay Bay. And when they asked me at the time, I'm like, I'm at Mandalay Bay. And I think I was really at MGM Grand. Fuck, I fought at both. I don't know. I'm in the middle of a fight right now. I'm a little distracted with other shit that's going on in my life right now than knowing what time of day it is. I'm like... You know what I mean? Like I'm a little preoccupied right now, and, and yeah. had, you know, so I think asking him those questions at times, it's like, well, shit, man. Like, the guy has a lot going on. He's stressed out that you're going to stop the fight. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I think that like, uh, it's a fighting man. We're not playing tennis. Like, for the love of God, like, you know, like relax. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that it was that much of an issue for him to continue on. I mean, the way he was, it wasn't like he was stumbling and and moving around. And I, I know I'm not a physician, but. You know, to to get you know certain questions wrong, like what month it was. It's like it's like, I mean, didn't the when did the fight? Fuck, if you ask me right now, when the fight occurred, I don't know what date it was on. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all that's got to be taken into consideration. I think the big takeaway is just going to be that there's uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion revolving around the New York State Athletic Commission as we move toward having more and more uh, MMA fights in New York. Oh, you got to be careful what you ask for. We wanted this for a long time. Now we got it, and uh, with uh, with that, we'll come more responsibility on a side note on that one too i i, I go uh, uh 
when I go shooting, we'll do things where we put each other under duress. And I've seen it in other things where people will be under duress, hitting the bag or whatever, and you'll screw with them. You'll say, hey, okay, give them a math problem. I'm sorry. Let me, I have to explain this to Luke uh, real quick because Luke lives in the D.C. Uh, area where uh, uh, guns are regulated to some degree. Uh, unlike uh, Mirror well, Manor here. The good guys uh, don't have guns. Here, all the bad guys do. Here's what he's doing, Luke. Because DC's a pretty <laughs> rough no, area. Normal, normal gun enthusiasts just go to the gun range and they shoot them. Frank likes to go to a gun range where they have you do like push-ups and uh, right. have you uh, jump out of a speeding car and barrel Cars roll the onto the ground <laughs> and come up in a, a, a sniper position, things like that. That's what he's talking about. My yeah. point being is that yeah. anybody can play this game. Go yeah. to the gym, work out real hard. In the middle of it, have your workout partner go, all right, what's uh, 24 divided by 6? Yeah. Something that if you and I were just having a conversation, almost yeah. everybody can go, boom, and all oh, four. You know what I mean? Like, okay. You know, but if all of a sudden your heart rate's elevated, not with head contact, just that you're pumped up with adrenaline, answer a simple question sometimes can be difficult. So I think that well, both those physicians have never been athletes in their entire life. I doubt either one of them even knows where a treadmill would be at the gym. If you look at their whole, I mean, the one girl, like, I, like I'm like, really? She's checking people's health? Someone needs to give her, like, I mean, like, I... <laughs> Well, Frank's on fire tonight with the but, uh, with but, the opinion. But I mean, that's screwed up, man. Guys train hard for fights. Let them fight. I yeah. mean, you know, obviously, I, I don't think on guys getting you know their their careers ended. But I, I think that you know Weidman deserved the opportunity to fight back. You know, you ask a guy first of all, do you want to fight? And he says yes. Okay, well, you know, take a step towards me. That's all they ever do in boxing. A guy mm. gets knocked down with a concussion. If he can walk towards you and rub his hands against your 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 uh, uh, shirt, you know, they rubbed off the gloves. They let you continue. Why all of a sudden does the athletic commission now in New York decide that they have to ask you a series of questions? Are they going to do that in every boxing match now? If someone gets knocked down, when you let him up for the standing eight count because he has received a concussion, before you let it continue, you're going to ask him a series of questions before he goes on. I mean, that's the equivalent of what I think is occurring. It's like, yeah. even if it was a standing eight count, you know, I mean, which we don't have in MMA, but if you felt that he took a concussion, the requirements in most striking sports only make it, if you could take three or four steps and don't look like you're going to fall flat on your face they let it continue and uh luke this whole thing's getting appealed i think right is weidman's folks are uh are following some kind of appeal so we'll see where that goes yeah let's uh all right luke let's go ahead uh, yeah go ahead what were you saying no no just just very quickly yeah. he, he will likely appeal but this is the other thing that commissions have done to shield themselves they only really allow appeals under egregious mistakes like if the judge for example doesn't count the numbers correctly on a card or if they can prove collusion among officiators but merely for like not impropriety but merely for not Just following fuck up. the letter of the law <laughs> yeah like there's not there, there, there's you're 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 asked out of luck i mean there's nothing yeah. you can really yeah, do he's not gonna yeah. win i mean because isn't it he has to appeal to them you know like yeah i mean already i mean you've seen the one guy i mean i mean the guy that doesn't know where never watched the way in and saw a guy blatantly pushing right. down on a towel and has no clue I mean, you'd think they'd prep him a little bit, be like, hey, uh, by the way, DC was pushing on the thing. Like, the whole media is going to, this is where they're going. And no, he just, he went at it. And when you guys asked the questions, he's like, well, if he was holding the towel, would have made him way more. It's like, no, he's telling yeah, you. Yeah, I think, and then Brett Akimoto was like, no, it wouldn't. And the guy was like, it wouldn't? 
Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I didn't see it. Yeah. Like he, he didn't try to defend the point at all. Yeah, it was great stuff. I think he missed the point there. I'm like, yeah. hey, look, I know we all get to show up and wear suits and get ringside uh, or cage side tickets, but you're supposed to do a job. You know, like, like uh, how do people get jobs in the Athletic Commission? Is it just like a if you're oh, buddies boy. with somebody? A question for another podcast right there, Frank. Let's make a note of it, though, because it is a good one. All right, Luke, we got to tell everybody how to reach you, man, uh, how to how to hear the show, Sirius XM 93 Rush. That's where I hear you, the Luke Thomas show. Uh, I don't miss that. It's a big part of my commute back and forth to the brothel, as a matter of fact. So uh, just know that you're in the car with me as I'm driving out to the uh, southern Nevada desert. Uh, they can also find – let's just you, – you do it. Tell everybody where they can uh, reach you and follow you and all that. I mean, the best place to follow me as sort of a central hub, I'm on Twitter, at SBN Luke Thomas, or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Luke Thomas News. Um, I, all my work goes there, but I do uh, three podcasts for MMA Fighting. I do the Monday Morning Analyst on Monday, the live yeah. chat tomorrow on Wednesday, whenever this airs. And then on Thursdays, I go to New York, I do the MMA Beat, and then I do my radio show, and then I write articles. I'm a busy man, but... But yeah, that, that's where you can find me. Frank, uh, Luke had very kind words about our podcast. He is a listener to Phone Booth Fighting, and, and that was high praise coming from him because uh, uh, I know he's uh, an experienced podcaster himself. Appreciate All right, it. Luke. And then the other thing is, Frank, I've obligated you to do uh, Luke's show right, on one Friday. One hand washes the other. No. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Friday? Yeah, Friday, right? You, you're going to be on the road, but you're uh, in, 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 in yeah. the States. Yeah. Well, I can Skype, too. I'll, I'll bring my iPad. Are we doing phone or Skype? What do you want to do, Luke, for Frank? Uh, probably going to have to be a phoner, but, but it, it, we're flexible, but probably phoner. Mm-hmm. Done. Oh, yeah, no Easy. Problem. All right. Okay. Well, Luke, uh, again, I know we took it. We'll work all that out. Uh, <laughs> trust me. We'll, we'll work all that out. Uh, I know we took way more of your time than uh, we expected to, and I apologize for that, but you were awesome, man. I hope this isn't the only time you'll come on with us. Let's do it again if you'd be willing. Anytime, guys. Thank you for the invite. Really appreciate it. All right. The great Luke Thomas. There we go. Thanks. Uh, I'll let you uh, handle that, Trav. Thanks, man. All right, so we're uh, boy. I kept, I gotta apologize to him. We kept him way late. <laughs> I think I told him we were gonna have him on twenty minutes, but uh, but he was great. Yeah, he's no, a good dude, man. Extremely yeah. informative and knowledgeable too. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shit, man. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. He he does a great show. He does great podcast. Uh, he does. Uh, uh, I really enjoy his uh, his Sirius XM show as well. So uh, anyway, he's. Uh, uh, he's a good dude. So I'll look forward to hearing you on his show to promote phone booth fighting. All I'm right. I'm better at that now. What's that? I'm better at that now. At promoting? Yeah. 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 Pushing there. the show, letting everybody know to uh, to tune in. So that was all the uh, serious MMA business of the weekend, Frank. We had our uh, phone booth fighting worlds collide over the, uh, the weekend. Uh, I don't know if you were aware of this or not. You know that uh, we're both big fans of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, Travis, our uh, our new uh, 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 pro- production uh, assistant, is uh, came to us personally recommended from Cowboy Cerrone. So we appreciate him for that uh, reference. He gave us the uh, nod that he wasn't a weirdo. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He uh, he told us that it was it was okay to welcome him inside the bunker here at uh, Mirror Manor, which uh, you know we we got to be very careful about who we let in here. It's limited space, so Cowboy gave us that. But we are also friends and fans with the boys in Steel Panther. We have had uh, the drummer Stick Sedinia. We have had uh, the bass player Lexi Fox here on uh, Phone Booth Fighting, and I've known those guys for a very long time. Well, over the weekend. Cowboy Cerrone 
sang with Steel Panther, and I have a little video. Would you like to hear how that went? I would. Now, let me just ask you. I think he did shitty. You do. Okay. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. If you had to guess. I think Cowboy's a phenomenal athlete. Yes. Very talented. Great martial artist. Probably one of the best in the world, technique-wise. Sure. Uh, but you can't be good at everything, man. I mean, come on. He's got to suck at something. So um, right. I'm willing to bet that it's probably going to be the singing. Well, here is Donald Cowboy Cerrone uh, providing lead vocals on uh, Journeys Don't Stop Believing. Let's uh, just click in the middle there, probably. Did I move it too bad for the No, no, it'll work. Go ahead. It hurts. Yeah, it's about as bad as that. But you know what, though, is awesome is that I guarantee that he's like, I'm very aware that I can't sing to save my life. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure that Donald at this point in his life is very aware that he can't carry a tune. He still grabbed the mic and went up there and belted it out. So, I mean, I guess there's some uh, uh, points for uh, courage. (laughs) But I tell you what, you're right. He he sang it like he fights like he was all in you know what i mean yeah, whether, he committed whether or not he was going to hold the tune no, didn't was, matter he was forced yeah. and, and i say that i know these sucks because again i have had too much to drink at a karaoke bar <clears throat> and mrs mir can uh attest to the fact that if i had to have a uh, the moonlight as a singer mm-hmm. we're, <laughs> we're gonna be begging on the streets <laughs> well that's interesting you say that because um you know, you've made your, you've done stand-up comedy. We put you on the stand-up okay. comedy stage, uh, but I just, I, I didn't, didn't make any commitments. I just put a feeler. I just asked a question because I didn't want to present this live on the air and then uh, 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 put us in a weird position. If in fact the invitation wasn't open, Panthers, I just, what I did was I put a feeler out just to see if at some point you ever wanted to uh give that a shot and the boy the answer i came back a resounding yes I, there's an open invitation for you if you ever want to join uh, steel panther on stage yeah that's uh i think listen here's what i think before you close the door on this i think much like i think much like the way that i i coached you in stand-up comedy i think i could help you a little bit in the but there was the a, there was at least a glimmer of hope with the sure. comedy because you know I'm a bit of a smart ass. Yeah, I have a decent wit. Sure. So you're like, all right, we have some tools here. I can tell a story, you know, and yeah. But like, bro, <laughs> there's no hope for singing, man. I can't even like, you know, like the thing. Uh, no, I'm I'm bad, bro. Uh, my rhythm with being able to hear, like, I, I might be tone deaf for the love of God. <laughs> it's bad, man. I'm telling you right now. What about stage moves? Would we see you uh, jumping up and down in place like that with uh, on stage like Cowboy Cerrone was doing? I'm just imagine weaponry falling out all yeah, over the place. Yeah, I'd have to disarm you know? first a yeah. little bit just because uh, I wouldn't <laughs> want to throw you know a handgun on the uh, stage. People might freak out, you know, get worried. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that was good. Can you play play that one more time? Play that one more time. Just about fifteen no. seconds of that, Travis. Let's see. You know what's sad? I think he's a better singer than I am. <laughs> That's something letting you know right now. Donald did a better job than I would have done. 
Oh. That's how bad I am. That was good stuff. That was real good stuff. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, uh, so Frank, I uh, I had to ask you what you thought about uh, the uh, the uh, current events of the uh, weekend because okay. a couple uh, of big we, things happened. Yeah. We, a couple of big things. We uh, the the main thing was we 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 dropped about uh, sixty. Uh, missiles yeah, on a bunch of tomahawks, Syria's yeah. airport, right? One of their uh, military bases where they were suspected of launching the uh, the gas attack from. That's where um, uh, Bashir al-Assad. Yeah, w- uh, it was believed that he launched his sarin gas attack from that air force base. So uh, uh, President Trump makes a decision to uh, to respond. Uh, first of all. What did you uh, what did you think when you heard the news? Because Trump has run on a kind of a protectionist America first, you know, yeah. sucks to be in the rest of the world, but I'm the president of the U.S., not the president of the world kind of thing. Well, I mean, if we were to start going that direction, uh, you wouldn't get a strong argument from me. I, I kind of think that's OK to be more America first, the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as of right now, we do have a lot of troops abroad and uh, many, many stations there. So um, I don't think it's as quick as just uh, the exchange of one uh, uh, group in power over the other. Uh, as far as him doing that, I kind of look at how the rest of the world responds. And most of the people, it seems like I, that I concur that they should be on our side, you know, United Kingdom. I mean, even if you want to go down to Muslim countries, Saudi Arabia has backed us in that that uh, that uh, decision to go ahead and bomb them. And, and I kind of think his hands were tied in a way of America being a world leader. Uh, he has to make a stand, especially when there's images of small children gasping to death from a chemical attack. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it obviously puts it at odds. Uh, I feel bad for our military, especially, you know, some of the reservists that are probably a little worried now that they're going to be activated. But, uh, you know, and I say this as someone who I travel to, the, to, to Russia at least once a month. So... You know, uh, I'm not completely uh, unaffected by any decisions we make to go to war with Syria, who's backed by Russia right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would be problematic in my mm-hmm. life also. I mean, so uh, it's it's a scary thing, but I think that uh, it looks like he did the right thing. So I think the concern for me is that you've got the uh, you've got the regime, but then you also have ISIS and the regime is fighting ISIS. Right. The uh, Russians don't like ISIS. They may be too close and friendly with uh, Bashir al-Assad, but they have uh, a common focus in, in wanting to defeat ISIS. So this is one of these things, and we've learned this lesson very recently in history, um, in Iraq, for example, yeah. that when you uh, destabilize or maybe outright eliminate the brutal, evil, secular dictator, that may be good, but uh, just waiting in the wings are the religious fanatics to step up and create a whole new problem. I don't think, and and Trump has already said, uh, and, you know, let's, I'm holding him at his word here, that uh, he is not interested in going into Syria. And I don't think you can, because I think what you've got to do is you've got to decide, okay, what is it that I'm responding to? Where is this line? Obviously, you're not drawing a line at the fact that uh, 
there's a civil war going on. You're not drawing a line at the fact that this guy, um, uh, Al-Assad, has uh, dropped, you know, thousands of bombs on his own people. And by the way, and I, I, I guess nobody cares, so I'm just going to point it out, but then I'll just forget about it because nobody seems to care about it. This has happened before. He did this in 2013. He he launched a gas attack on his own. I mean, the same exact thing happened, um, and Barack Obama wanted to respond. He wanted to put it to a congressional vote. There was no support for it in Congress. I got I actually got why there was no support for it in Congress. We've got the war fatigue. But it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, Trump was was uh, blatantly uh, critical mm-hmm. of the idea of doing that. So this idea of, well, it for whatever reason, I wasn't affected by the dead baby in 2013 and 2017. It's different. I'm, I'm just saying it's certainly worth pointing out that True. there's a, a, a major element of uh, of hypocrisy there. Now, wow. you, you know, you could say I've changed my mind. Mm-hmm. I personally think that what which that, would be hard to do, saying that. Well, when I made that statement, I was a civilian with civilian uh, access to civilian knowledge, and didn't have a, he obviously didn't have a security clearance. But he's still watching the same cable news. Yeah. I mean, I well, didn't have now security. he's watching the same cable news with a security clearance. Okay, maybe it took because I mean, just like you're watching the same cable th- uh, news. But we have we can have a very conservative man sit here in this chair, watch the same TV show you're watching, and have a completely different opinion of what's going on. Yes. So I'm just saying that. But how? But what I'm saying is, how many different ways are there to interpret genocide? I'm just saying that if it was genocide in 2013, it's the same genocide in 2017. I mean, you may have seen a different photo or whatever, but dead kids are dead kids. So okay. But that being said, I just I think it's important. You can also buy into. Just like this time, the genocide supposedly was what the uh, the critics now of Trump for firing off the sixty seven tomahawks right. are is that you know an Assad and their group in Russia saying that well no we Assad did not send off that chemical that was actually ISIS doing that on civilians to get you to think that it's us okay, so that you get involved. Claim, right? yeah. So then someone could sit there and listen to that bit of information and go, well, yeah, it was the bad guys that did it, you know, or, you know, the ISIS, you know, group. Sorry, say which bad guys? Yeah, right. ISIS did it mm-hmm. on their civilians, and now we're blaming Assad for it, and maybe, so you could have that point of view, and now there's that argument out there right now, so you have people split. I think the people that are saying we shouldn't have done it are along that line of thought process going, well, we jumped the gun, there's no proof that it was the Assad... Uh, administration that 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 uh, initiated this attack then you have the people saying well yeah no come on they are the ones with the access to the chemical warfare it's not uh it wasn't isis you know pro trump in this uh, endeavor all i'm saying is that whoever has security clearance probably has a better understanding of what really happened oh i agree with that completely yeah so uh, what i'm saying is that in 2013 when trump was critical of Obama, Obama had security clearance and knew who really the bad guys were. Mm-hmm. Trump is the, like the rest of us. Who knows what side he's listening to in the, the media. And now the fact that he made that decision, I'm thinking, well, now the guy has security clearance. He has generals going, no, these guys <laughs> right, are the yeah. assholes. Yeah, like, the, maybe, like maybe he's looking at it now going, gosh, you know, back in 2013, Obama had security clearance and maybe I should have thought about no, that. No, and that's kind of what I do. I, yeah. Uh, not that you shouldn't hold your the, the 
your leaders, you know, responsible for you uh-huh. know decisions they make. But there are times where I sit to go, fuck, why would you do that? I kind of, without trying to throw my own intelligence and my own critical thinking to the wayside, mm-hmm. I take into account that those individuals, hopefully at the Pentagon, probably have a lot more information at their hands than I do. You know, I'm watching CNN and, you know, MSB and Fox and, you know, it's like, all right, well, that's what's being released to us. But obviously there's a, a level of intel that the the movers and shakers of our government have access to that I don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of then will err on the side of like, well, if he fired off those missiles and that's going to put us at odds with Russia, which he has a a decent relationship with. I mean, shit, the guy even called up Russia and said, Hey, by the way, we're firing off some missiles on this, on yeah. this airfield. Uh, I'm thinking that he probably, uh, cause I mean, from what I know of Trump, if he could have avoided it at all, probably would have avoided it. I think that they put out their information. That's like, look, there's no way around this. They did this. And now, I mean, one thing is going in there and, and trying to, uh, uh, you know, to remove Assad from power, I think, again, we've learned what happened in Iraq. I mean, the minute, the worst thing I think we ever did to cause more uh, loss of American lives was removing uh, Osama, Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein yep. uh, from power. Sure. Because now it's like, all right, well, now who's in, excuse me, who's in charge? We're like, fuck, I don't know. And now it's just a, at least yeah, the other guy, Saddam the crazy Hussein ass didn't before, like Al Qaeda. No, and yeah. he, you know he kind of kept everything under check and balances. I think Assad, you know, they they hate ISIS. Obviously, ISIS is is responsible for more terror attacks against Americans than I think any other group currently right now. So, I mean, keeping them in power is a good thing. But I think that if they start doing things crazy and they they force our hand, I think checking somebody every once in a while is not a bad thing. I mean, at the end of the day, the U.S. is still the most powerful military presence in the world. Our Navy will smash everybody. We just saw, I mean, we have a ship off of there. Uh, There might be people who can beat us in manpower, but as far as boots on the ground. But when it comes down to just, I mean, we spend more money and we have the bigger, cooler toys and we'll kick your ass. Well, and that's, and that's, you say, checking somebody i mean that's how you have to look at this this realistically is going to have to be okay we're going to decide that if at uh at any point something gets this bad then we respond anything short of this bad whatever right. this bad yeah, is you're having a battle in there but i mean you can't have images of children choking together on cs you know, mm-hmm. you know uh, chemical warfare it's like well shit man like that's just a pr nightmare i mean you know i mean <laughs> Uh, what are we supposed to do? We can't sit here, you know, with our, our thumb up our ass, you know, it's like, you know, come on guys. I mean, you can't have, I mean, how do you articulate that that little child was part of ISIS? I mean, you know, well, speaking of a PR nightmare, let's turn our attention to Sean Spicer, white house spokesperson, because he, he, he had a couple of, uh, he had a rough couple of days. Now, before we get to what happened today, just going back to yesterday, which was, of course, he's asked about, you know, where is the line now with uh, Syria? Is it just chemical weapons? Is it can he do anything else that will cause a military response? And Sean Spicer said three times, three separate times, that if we see babies getting gassed or barrel bombs being dropped, which are these these bombs that are literally like in a in a fort fifty gallon barrel. And they put like shrapnel. It's like a crude explosive. They put like shrapnel and things like that. There's even like a chlorine in it sometimes. And they'll drop them out of planes into a village and, you know, create uh, destruction. Uh, he said, if we see barrel bombs or kids being gassed, you're going to see some kind of response from this White House. Here's the problem. 
with that. Syria, last year alone, dropped about 1,600 barrel bombs, yep. several every day. Well, and I understand and, why it's a bad thing, because they're indiscriminate. If they yep. want to put, again, they want to put their soldiers on the ground, marching boots, with rifles, I understand there's a loss to their human life, but I think a, a guy with a rifle could be a little bit more selective over if he shoots the bad guy mm-hmm. or he shoots some sure. 10-year-old child. Dropping a bomb or chemical warfare, it, it's indiscriminate. It's like, well, if they're all in the same kind of area, everybody's screwed. And so I think that's why we have to kind of like, look, you're at war. We're not going to stop it. But there's certain activities of warfare that because of the fact they're indiscriminate, mm-hmm. we have to say no to. Well, I get it. And, and it is certainly bad. But it is uh, that part the barrel bomb part of it was actually walked back yesterday by the white house no, you because didn't. yeah because everybody was starting to say well hold on a second they're the barrel bombs are every day wait does this mean we're going to start you know answering oh, sure. for that so they had to back off of that how did spicer not know that, that was every day well if you thought that was a bad day you should have seen him today and you're about to uh now go ahead and blow that up full screen uh so today uh sean spicer well, he went off script a little bit, and this is something that you do not want a uh, White House spokesperson doing. As a matter of fact, um, I was hearing uh, I was hearing Leon Panetta talk about this today. The advice he used to give uh, uh, Mike McCrory, who was the Clinton administration's uh, White House spokesperson, he was saying, "Listen, you go out there, you answer the questions, you stick to the company line, and do not don't editorialize. You know, don't just start ad libbing, right?" And so uh, what we got today was Sean Spicer saying, and this, for all I know, I don't know, this, this, this might have been uh, workshopped before he, he hit the stage uh, with the administration, but he said, uh, you know, even Hitler did not resort to chemical weapons. Okay, so, of course, immediately pointed out... Gassing Jews, you know, and and uh, then the worst part was rather than just first of all, let me say this about a Hitler comparison. Hold on, and, and yeah. you're much more astute student of history. Wasn't the Geneva Convention written after because of the occurrences of, of combat that occurred during World War II? Well, like, I mean, back then and during, I mean, right. you've seen guys with flamethrowers walking into a tunnel. World War, yeah. Well, World War One, chemical weapons were used. Right. So then World okay. War Two. Okay. So that's when. Yeah. Yeah, so World War II, chemical weapons weren't used uh, uh, like on the battlefield, but the because yeah, mustard Nazis, gas was a thing of World War One. Then, yeah, but the Nazis uh, they were the ones who perfected the sarin gas. So I mean, the very thing that Assad was using right. came from the Nazis, and it may not have been used on the battlefield, but this was obviously being used in concentration camps. So uh, people allege. No. Yeah. Well, listen. <laughs> We're we're about to, we're we're about to hear more on that because the thing is because he didn't say concentration camps right no he said Holocaust centers right which leads me to believe that he was that's a nod towards any of their constituents that yeah. are the Holocaust deniers yeah I, right they've got those when he said that I'm like wait a minute no use use everybody says concentration uh, camp who says Holocaust center I've never I, heard that word before and I'm like. Oh, you're one of those. I don't even know if I could give him that much credit. He was stunned. And here's so two things, and then we're going to play the clip so you can hear this sort of montage of. of uh, well, you don't think Sean that was Spicer's a well planned out word? Like when they said, okay, when you go back and apologize for this, 
Don't I, say concentration camp. Say yeah. Holocaust Center. Well, because I mean that's a pretty like well, it's not like you're sitting there searching for a word, yeah. going okay, con- a group where they they chained everybody together, put them in in work camps, uh, group uh, Holocaust Center. Like uh, no one's, I've never even heard that word until I haven't he, either. Well, he, but the thing is, and you'll hear in the context of the way he said it, he actually said this before he started apologizing, before he'd realized he had caused any kind of problems. But I just want to say two things before we hear the clip. Number one. If you're thinking about making a Hitler analogy, go with plan B. Whatever the second thing is that you can think of besides when you want to talk about how bad somebody is, never go with worse than Hitler. It never, ever works. And then the second thing you got to do is when when you're, you're digging the hole and uh, you realize you got a shovel in your hand, stop digging. Uh, because the, the, the best... Yeah, just pick her up. She'll be fine. The best thing that he could have done... Uh, Bay, uh, Thule has just uh, appeared in the bunker. Uh, the The best thing he could have done at at first realization of what was going on is just to stop and say, "Whoa, I'm sorry. Hold on, I, that's very sorry, Reset. very sorry." Yeah, <laughs> and he did eventually do that today, but it was after about four attempts at trying to spin his way. Okay, so let's listen to the audio clip of uh, how bad this was at the White House press briefing. You, you look. We didn't use chemical weapons in World War II. You know, you had a, you know, someone as despicable as Hitler who didn't even sink to the, to the, to using chemical weapons. I'll give you the opportunity to clarify something you said that seems to be Thank gaining you. some traction right now. Uh, quote, Hitler didn't even sink to the level of using chemical weapons. What did you mean by that? I, I think when you come to sarin gas, uh, there was no, he was not using the gas on his own people the same way that, a shot is doing. I mean, there was clearly. I, I fumbled it I again. Your point. Thank you. I uh, thank you. I appreciate that. There was not in the in the. He brought him into the to um, to the Holocaust Center. I understand that. But I'm saying in the way that Assad used them, where he went into towns, dropped them down to innocent into the middle of towns. It was brought. To, so the use of it. And I appreciate the clarification there. That was not the intent. Yeah, I mean, his, I could say he didn't use it on the battlefield. Uh-huh. Would that be a better way to try to fix that? He didn't launch it. Yes, but I mean, yes, it would have been. Well, it's a technicality, but but just stop. <laughs> just stop. Yeah, no, no, it was yeah. definitely the, <laughs> definitely a bad analogy. Yeah, he he eventually uh, by the end of the day, it was just a straight apology. He's like, "Look, I'm so, oh by the way, it's Passover going on." Oh right really? Now. Yeah, yeah, that was that was I, unfortunate timing. Yeah, talk about. All right. Well, that sucked. I mean, it's, it, you know. I, well, I think the easier thing to sit there and I feel is sitting there going, well, you know, we're, we're like anybody else. We're kind of watching what's going on here. And when we see things that are obvious atrocities to, to, to human life, yes, then we're going to intervene. You know, I mean, yes. and I think that gives you much more gray area to work with because you're like, well, you know, someone taking a bullet is one thing. But, you know, it's like you're right. That's an, you know, that's awful to see. But I can't put that on the same level of watching 30 or 40 uh, small children choking to death. You know, uh, those visuals, you know, haunted us and we felt, you know, we felt inspired to uh, that we had no choice but to intervene, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to put it in historical perspective and just say, you know, any time, you know, uh, a, a, you know, 
brutal strongman is is you know uh, engaging in genocide, and you know you can go you know Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot. I mean, you have to understand we're seeing that type of history being made right now. Like you could say something like that, yeah, but you're not doing the one is worse. This is even worse than Hitler no, wasn't right. even this bad. Don't do this. That's a slippery slope each time because yeah. no matter what, it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's just difficult. You know, and I think just pointing out that it's difficult, I think would be an easier uh, uh, route to take. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Spicy, he, I don't know if I don't know if they hold on to him or not. I mean, I've thought a couple of times that he might be, because, uh, I, I mean, you know, the, the word is that Trump is not fond of these kind of gaffes from him. You know, and, and Trump more so than any other president is spending time like critiquing these press conferences because I mean, right from the very, you know, his first appearance in front of the media, which was to go out and yell at him for, uh, you know, the, the reports on the crowd size of the inauguration. And it was much bigger than that and all that kind of thing. He had a rough, uh, a, a, a rough go from, from the get go. So I think if anything, we may be guaranteed another, uh, Melissa McCarthy appearance on, uh, on Saturday night live. Would that be what? What if she does a good job at that? She does a good job. What if? What would that feel like, Frank? Like if every time you knew you just had a particularly bad week, or you you said something on TV, you know that you misspoke or something, some kind of gaffe that that you knew that that was a guarantee that by Saturday, some female who dressed up like Frank Mir would come out and do a, a comedy sketch, and everyone would laugh. Yeah, I couldn't imagine the, uh, the repercussions of being on that level just because I see it just on the small little level of, yeah. uh, of uh, exposure I have to the public now. You know, whereas, you know, if I were to go do, you know, well, we see it, you know, you go and you run a light and smash into a girl, you're going to be on the news. And, you know, and so uh, I do sometimes have to measure my words, wondering, you know, if that's going to happen, but nowhere to the degree that someone that's you know a speaker for the white house has to and uh, yeah and yeah i wonder if he sits there i, I bet you after he says something crazy he goes in the back going oh shit and listen i mean that's that's a very tough job you know there's there's not uh there's not a lot of people you know who could do that job uh but if you you take the job you, you've yeah. got to be able to do it competently. And it's a very important job. I mean, this is, you are the mouthpiece of the White House. And a lot of times you're going to be the first line of clarification for things that well, are especially uh, too, because concerning. he always has to back up the White House. Like, yeah. I would hate, that is a tough position to be in, especially because I'm very gray. You yeah. know, I, there are very few things in this world that I'm black and white on. I'm yeah. like, well, you know, you know, so me, I, I kind of look at the big picture. So if I had to actually speak for somebody, be like, okay, we are absolutely right. I'm like, shit, I got to go out there and say that. Cause I mean, yeah, I think we're mostly kind of in the right direction, but mm -hmm. we definitely dropped the ball here, here and here. Can we, could we admit to that? No. Mm -hmm. Oh shit. Really, man? Like I got to go. <laughs> you'd be the be You'd be the best white house press secretary ever. You know, you just come out. You know, I'd be good for uh, the people, but yeah, I'd be shitty. Uh, <laughs> I'd get fired no way. <laughs> first day. They're like, did you just yeah. say that we, yeah, man, we like, fucking yeah. screwed the pooch on that one. You know uh, what I mean? Frank, like, uh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> Frank, yeah, uh, Richard Hunter, New York Times. Do you feel like the uh, administration made the right call in their military action on Saturday? And I just always wait for you to be like, nah, well, you know, I mean, in some ways, yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, there's positives on this side. Yeah, Here's the negatives. I mean, you know. But I mean, isn't that life? Oh, I mean, of it's, course it's life. Yeah. Very. It is very difficult to sit there. I mean, and draw the line and okay, the here. Yeah. I mean, it takes pretty extreme cases. I mean, like yeah. concentration camps. I can kind of. If you sit there and go, hey, we're going to argue against concentration. I'm like, yeah, man, I- I'm pretty easy on that one. That- that's a that's a no-brainer. Slam dunk. I, I don't Holocaust think- centers? Yeah. I mean, but- <laughs> yeah. Holocaust centers. Uh, but for the like most part, stops. yeah, you know, for the most part, most <laughs> topics, uh, is like even in war, man, it's hard. Like yeah. just this whole topic. I remember it was about two years ago when I was just fed up with not understanding who was who? Like, okay, what are we doing? This whole Assad thing and, right. you know, in Aleppo. And, and I'm like, I'm confused, man. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. I think I knew. I, I thought I knew what was going on, you know. But uh, so so I, I read a couple articles and I found one specifically that said, we're going to break this down for you. And it was talking about all the different Muslim groups and how we're friends with this Muslim group here, yeah. but then we're enemies with them over there. So even though we're supplying guns here to this group, and then we actually supply troops to this group, we're actually facing our own weaponry here. And I'm like, when I all I knew is when I got done reading the article, I looked at it and I told my wife, she goes, because Jen wanted me to try to explain some things, the difference of Shiites and the Shias and all everything going on. I looked at it, I'm all, fuck, I don't know. I'm just as confused. Like now, like before I thought I knew, mm-hmm. the only thing I've established is I absolutely do not understand who the bad guys are. I mean, we can be in one region and go, okay, he's bad, he's good. And it's like, all right, yeah, but if we go 200 miles that way, it all changes up real quick, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's very true. Um, well, it's uh, it, I. It was one other thing I wanted to do. Uh, we talk about United. Yeah, we did not talk about <laughs> the um, the streaking airline passenger. So we'll get Travis to pull. By the way, this is working out well. Do you like with the video clip? Yeah, I do. Got the got the big monitor. Uh, let me just take an opportunity to plug uh, the Phone Booth Fighting YouTube page. If you haven't been over there and you haven't subscribed yet. What we're doing is uh, we have totally tricked out the phone booth fighting bunker here at Stately Mirror Manor. It now has video capabilities, so we've got all the episodes. We should uh, have Travis help us put the TV up. I bet you oh Travis yeah, looks like a guy who knows much that. better than that. Yeah. Travis, you, yeah, Travis. If would a door have, broke at your house, could you fix it? Travis says yes. Travis could do the uh, he'll do the repairs from now on. I can break shit. I'm not good at putting shit back together. Around the bunker, no. uh, Frank and I had a hell of a time mounting the uh, television on the wall, but we did pull it off here in the phone booth fighting bunker. And uh, if you go to our phone booth fighting YouTube channel, then uh, just pause that for a second there. Yeah, you will. You'll see our. Uh, let's go ahead and blow it up big too. You'll see our uh, our episodes now uh, are on video. So if you want to watch the YouTube videos, do it that way. You can do it. And that way, when you have Skype guests on, like when we had Luke Thomas on earlier, you can uh, see him up there on the big uh, the big monitor. And uh, we'll be doing some other things like playing uh, video clips. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, you only got to hear Donald Cowboy Cerrone sing out a tune. If you were watching the video, you can see his dance moves as well. So you get the idea. Okay, so uh, over the weekend, Sunday... A uh, United Airlines passenger, uh, an Asian doctor, was 
dragged off of a flight. The flight was overbooked. This happens all the time now with uh, major airlines. Mm -hmm. They overbook a flight because they want to pack it for monetary reasons. And if, in fact, everybody shows up, then they start making offers. We'll give you a travel voucher if you'll get on another flight. Apparently, they did do that with this flight, but um, uh, they didn't have enough takers. In fact, this guy... Uh, one report said was initially interested in a voucher, but then when he found out how late the next flight was that he was going to get on, he couldn't make it to work the next day. And he said, no, no, I've got to stick with where I'm at because I have to get to work. Now, the seats that they were trying to free up were not for other passengers. That's the part that blows my mind. It was for United Airlines uh, crew, employees. Yeah. Um, Now, the only way I find that, even start the argument where we need those seats yeah. is if like we required them to fly a plane wherever we're going. Like we have to get them there to, right. or this plane full of you domino know, effect. It'll, right. it'll cancel other flights. Right. Yeah, it's I get cancel that. Other flights. Right. I mean, yeah. I hope that's what it was. And it wasn't just employees that needed yeah. to get somewhere. But even at that, this guy, he's in his seat. Uh, they tell him he has to get off the, the flight, the computer, I guess at that point, yeah. randomly selected a few people. I want to see the program seats. that they have uh-huh. that actually randomly selects people. <laughs> I'm thinking of a number. Uh, yeah. So uh, he is told that he has to get off the flight. Because it's guy, amazing they pick the Chinese guy. Because if, mm-hmm. if, if we're going to pick a crew of people who I'm going to pick out that's probably going to be the least violent, mm-hmm. aggressive guy, the physician that's Asian yeah. probably would hit the top of your list. Like, okay, are you going to attack that lady with the two kids? Like, nah, man, she's one fucking, uh, <laughs> she's one breath away from just snapping and yeah. losing her shit. And she's going to shove that bottle up your ass. You know <laughs> right, I mean? like, right. Let's not mess with her. What about the big biker guy? It's all tatted up. Nah, let's leave him alone. Like yeah. the Asian guy with the glasses. Yeah. The well-dressed guy that looks educated. Yeah. Pick him. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, come on. It well, wasn't random. He didn't uh he didn't throw punches uh in response, but what he did do was uh hold his ground in the seat and three because He had patience to go see. Yeah. And uh three air marshals uh ganged up. To, were they air marshals or just security? What security. But right. they were plain clothes security. They were guys in like jeans and ball caps and stuff like that, from what I saw. We're about to look at the video, but they grab him. And they drag him down the aisle. He just turned. He just goes dead weight, goes stiff. They drag him down the oh, they aisle. They knocked him. It looked like to me when I seen him get pulled from here. I mean, we'll see the video in a yeah. second. There's, can watch. There's a struggle. And it looked like he kind of got the shit knocked out of him. Well, right he here. hits his head on or hits his face on the armrest, so he's all bloody. Yeah, was, and he goes limp after that. Yeah. I mean, let's play, I don't know. Someone gets hit in the head and they go out, limp. Right? I'm saying it's a knockout. Let's play the clip and uh, we'll talk about it. Okay. This must be a more recent video because right there the uh their PR yeah. person Oscar Munoz. Yeah, he's the is, CEO by the way right. of United. Yeah, the CEO. He wasn't mm-hmm. saying anything about an apology. He said that his first uh, I think response to watching this before thank goodness the 
just the masses of uh, of, of people that were that were uh, uh, made aware of this mm-hmm. reacted, and I know their stock now has dropped drastically. Uh, and good for that. That that's the response. So his first initial was that the I don't know. Did you hear him being belligerent? No. Or you know, like he said, the, the passenger was belligerent, didn't want to cooperate. Like, well, no shit, he didn't want to cooperate. Mm-hmm. He didn't volunteer. Mm-hmm. No, like he needed he, to get somewhere. Like, shame on him for not accepting to get kicked the fuck off the flight. It's Munoz's like, uh, first response was that his first uh, version of the statement was that the employees went above and beyond, and I guess technically that's true. I mean, they were they were they were all in. They were putting a lot of effort into getting them off the flight. But the second thing was, he said it was uh, regrettable that uh, these passengers had to be reaccommodated. That was his word. That guy you just saw dragged off the flight was reaccommodated. I like how we can name something <laughs> something differently, yeah. and, and supposedly it takes the sting off. Yeah, and after everybody was uh, saying they would never uh, fly United again, and the stock dropped and all that, he came back. Oh, and just, the police uh, officer has been placed apologized. on leave. Yeah, the guy uh, that was leading the. I agree. Uh, the Look, dragging, man, if you yeah. told me to yank somebody off the plane, I'd go yeah. and I would talk to them. I would try to convince them, and I'd come back and be like, "Look, dude, I'm not putting my hand. I'm not going to be violent with somebody." Mm-hmm. Unless violence, like to me, this is not the time to be violent. Like, you know, hey, you know, you're robbing somewhere, you're bashing your girl up in public. Like, there's a time for violence. I'm not, a, I'm definitely not a zero violence kind of guy, but there's an appropriate time yeah. to be violent. And uh, I look back and be like, all right, so who screwed up and let everybody on? Like, if we knew we were oversold and we needed these four seats, why did you board them? Yeah. Like, we could have, this all could have been alleviated, like, by the front figuring out that like oh shit we need four less like you guys can't count now you're the people responsible for yeah i mean it wasn't like we're counting past five it was up to four it it is and let me say something else too i haven't heard anybody talk about this but this is the kind of thing that comes to my mind especially in a you know post 9-11 world i want everything on a plane to be calm I don't care what's going now. This is not terrorism or anything like that, but I don't want anybody screaming. I don't want anybody dragging anybody that's screaming. I don't want any kind of thing like that. I just want to get on the plane and everybody's calm and we get to where we're going. I think the United owes everybody that took that flight. I think their money back for the flight itself. Yeah. I mean, if I'd have had my children on there, my kids who watch professional fights, but that's where it's expected to occur. It's like, okay, well, you know, you bring your kids to a football game and guys get smashed with a tackle, that's expected. But if I'm walking down the street and you just, you double leg your grandmother and drive her into the sidewalk, it's like, all right, well, this is not, this is not the place Mm -hmm. for this. And same thing with that. Like, you know, there's a place for, that was just uncalled for. And, And the other thing I don't understand, like, I think the new look overbook flights. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know they're in to make money, but uh, then you guys got to keep upping up the incentive. Eventually, someone's gonna bite. Yeah, they, that's to me. That would have just. I mean, obviously, someone fucked up, dropped the ball, let everybody on the plane. Mm-hmm. But when they realize that they need to get these four people on, it's like, all right, well, you guys screwed up. You make money by overselling. So the price of doing business is that when this, when, when we have at odds here, that the customer doesn't pay the price. Yeah, you pay the price. So guess what? All right, eight hundred dollars. Up, no takers. All right, twelve hundred dollars. No takers. Two thousand dollars. Eventually, someone's going to say, well, fuck that. You're um, right. No, you're right. That that was pointed out that the, the maximum they have to offer is 1350 and apparently they didn't even hit that. They hit 1000 But you're right. They no, should just keep you gotta going. you got to keep going, dude. Because it's not like they can't voluntarily offer more. You're absolutely right about that. And, and I'm going to say this, too. 
if because apparently it's somewhere in the fine print of your plane ticket. This is what I was hearing today that the the airline can actually just say for whatever reason we're we've got to refuse service to you. It's probably really there for like when people are drunk and stuff like that. But let's just say they they're going to invoke that clause and they're going to get them off the plane. Here's what I want to see as a as, certainly as as if I'm him, but even if I'm a fellow passenger and you're trying not to freak me out while I'm making this flight. I want to see if he's there in his seat. First of all, I want to see a police officer, not not plain clothes, jeans, and ball cap guy. I want to see an actual police officer come on and calmly just lean over to him and just say, first of all, what he could say is, sorry, I, I need to talk to you just outside. Can, I, can you just come with me for a second so I can just talk to you off the plane? Because 99 out of 100 times, if a police officer says to you, can I just talk to you over here for a second? You're not going to go, no, no. Who, make me. You'll go. And then even if, let's say, the guy wasn't going to do that, if you said to him, you know, very quietly, again, you know, sir, I really need you to because I, otherwise I would have to place you under arrest. So if you could just come talk, you know, they're going to go, right? And seeing a police officer, I'm not going to be freaked out in that situation as a passenger. I'm going to, who knows, maybe this is a good thing because this guy isn't supposed to be on the flight and they caught it and they're getting him off or whatever. Yeah. So then it's a calming thing. <laughs> As opposed yeah, to I think that. there's so many other ways to do things Ooh. besides being violent. I mean, had I been there, I would have been like, all right, you know, go up and tell the guy, say this. We already screwed up. Obviously, I think the first thing is that you keep offering more money until they volunteer. Yeah. But there's other ways around it. You know how I, you know what I can do to get you off the plane? I walk up to you and go, well, sir, you got to leave. And you go, I'm not leaving. I'm like, all right, we've already taken your luggage off the plane. Your luggage will be here. Yeah. Your luggage isn't going where you're going. Would you like to be with your luggage or do you want to go to your destination with no luggage? Yeah. That already sitting there, it's like, oh, shit, they took my luggage. See, already I'm affecting you without having to touch you. I can, you know what I mean? It's like the sunshine. I can make you take your jacket off. Yeah. I don't have to yank it off of you. I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, not that that's a foolproof way, but I mean, I guess that's just my years as a bouncer. How do I get you to do something for me? How do I get, you know, how do I corral you in the right direction without resorting to violence? Make it my idea. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as best you can, make it my idea. Well, anyway, that was a disaster that just kept getting worse. So uh, I'm not sure who had a worse day, Sean Spicer or uh, United Airlines. But uh, bad day for both of them. All right. Well, bad day for both of them, but another good day for phone booth fighting. Uh, I've, I'm really happy with the way the studio is looking. And you know what? This is a great opportunity for us just to say a big thank you to everybody who's been a part of getting us this far. Because uh, whether it's been the uh, Fund Anything campaign that we did last year, and we've actually still got a few more rewards to make good on on that. Just a few. But uh, we got I know there's a, a voicemail you, we need to record for somebody. And I think there's one other person that uh, we're having sit in on the show. We may have to do that via Skype because I think they're overseas. But uh, just just a few more things to pay we off on our, there. Our May 13th, we're going to watch. Well, that's a big one. Yeah, yep, we have a, a guy who uh, did the watch fights with us. So uh, that's, that's going to be happening. That's going to be a big one for the next UFC pay-per-view. Uh, but anyway, whether you contributed to that level or just down to the, the 25 bucks that got you the T-shirt and all that, we really, really appreciate it because what you are now seeing, not only hearing in terms of audio quality, but seeing in terms of the Phone Booth Fighting Studio, this is because of you guys, and we couldn't have done it without you. And uh, uh, the guy, whether you're doing that, whether you're uh, purchasing Phone Booth Fighting merchandise, every bit of that goes back into the show from t-shirt sales at phoneboothfighting.com. Maybe you're clicking on that Amazon banner on phoneboothfighting.com and I'm hearing from more and more people that are using that and we see it and we really appreciate it. Uh, if uh, you can tell them about that, Frank, if they go to phoneboothfighting.com and click on that Amazon banner 
what uh, what happens from well, there. Well, I mean, basically, again, that's the only effort that would take on your part. If you're going to search and uh, shop on Amazon already, and that's already your uh, you know uh, your go-to move to get uh, your goods. Uh, if you go through our banner or through our website, click on the banner. Now the prices are the same. You spend the same exact amount of money. You get your product. Everything the same for you. But then a small percentage comes back to us that we can use towards, as you can see, improving the quality of our show. And, uh, of course, all our social media stuff is up there as well. All of the previously aired episodes, all 112 of them, are archived and available for downloading or listening right there off of phoneboothfighting.com. And if you missed our last episode uh, from earlier this week, do yourself a favor. Go back and listen to it. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton and his bandmate, uh, J.D. Andrew, joined us for the entire uh show uh billy invited us over to his uh, hotel room and the four of us sat around and talked and and if you're thinking well you know i'm only kind of in it for the mma there was some mma talk going on not nice. only uh did he have questions for you frank but i he has a hilarious explanation of why he is a fan of nate diaz he brought yeah. that up completely on his own that was uh, it was great uh, to see that he always have an understanding of what was going on and mm-hmm. and uh, you know uh, he was, <laughs> it was funny to hear him uh, even make the description of uh, you know that boy beat the what did he say the <laughs> like a yard dog yeah a yard dog that's right yeah, yeah. I, I like a lot of his uh, euphemisms yeah around. Billy's from Arkansas we went to the the gig last night his band the Boxmasters played at the Smiths in here in uh, Las Vegas and uh, Frank got acknowledged uh, from the stage he uh, at one point said that. Uh, he wanted to let everybody know that there was a, a cage fighter in the audience uh, that yeah. was looking for him, uh, <laughs> kind of alluding to the fact you guys might be tangling after the show. And then uh, uh, there, was, there was one or two other references. Anyway, it was, it was great. And, you know, I had posted on Instagram today, one of my great pleasures in life is introducing good friends to other good friends. Yeah, you're good at that. You're my good friend. And so I like, you know, when I have another good friend, I'm like, because I told you for a long time, I'm like, you will love hanging out with this guy. I did. You will love Billy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't. I didn't lie, did I? No, not at all. Very Great interesting. Dude. In fact, that's why. Uh, well, you know, uh, this Friday on the fourteenth, I'll be up in Tulsa. Yeah. Calling the fights there for the XFN. Uh, they're, they're having a tournament. It's be the first time I've mm. actually been involved in a tournament. Okay. Cool. Uh, elimination. Yeah. But th- that being said, uh, we're sitting there talking. They're going to be in Tulsa at the Hard Rock. Yep. Uh, doing a show. So now we're trying to like coordinate. You know, coordinate through tax. Like, ah, oh, you know, awesome. your show starts at this time. Maybe come out, watch a couple fights, come down cage side, and. and check out the uh i love that i know billy had a good time on the show because i was talking to him last night in the the dressing room he said yeah man let's do some more stuff uh with the show you know get you to come out to la or whatever so uh that that won't be the last of uh, billy bob thornton on uh, phone booth fighting but do yourself a favor if you if you didn't check out the first episode from this week please do uh all right uh thanks to everybody who uh, listened to this one thanks to travis for doing a great job on production man nice job did you feel easier that you weren't doing the yes you're not singing the harmonica clapping the thing it, stepping was, a, on it. it was a big relief not to be the uh the one-man band and it was nice to especially as we're doing all the video enhancements and playing the clips and everything this is definitely something uh that we needed so thanks travis for your hard work on that uh all right all right, social media plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Richard Hunter. Find me on Facebook at Official Richard Hunter. That guy, Frank Mir, he is on Facebook at Official Frank Mir. He is on Twitter and Instagram at The Frank Mir. And Frank, Phone Booth Fighting, our uh, podcast is also present all across social media platforms. For more on that, here's you. <laughs> Uh, if you want to listen to us on Facebook or Instagram, follow us. Uh, it's uh, Phone Booth Fighting. 
if uh, you're more of a Snapchat, Twitter type of individual, or on those platforms, we're on Phone Booth Fight. That's it. Thanks again to Sirius XM Radio's Luke Thomas for joining us earlier. And uh, for Frank Mir, I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you next time right here on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with